Hello there, and welcome back to this Human Life Podcast. My name is Melissa Sanova, and we are about to uh, complete the last episode in Chapter 6 of the book, This Human. We have been progressively working through this half audiobook, half uh, podcast project where I've been reading through my book and you know stopping along the way sharing some stories diving deeper into the content so we are currently just about to finish chapter six which means we have only have one chapter left which is chapter seven um, which is all about grit and delivery and I'm just going to get stuck into it and see see where we end up <laughs> thanks for being here All right, so we are on page 171, Harnessing Your Passion. We are so focused on making sure our design serves the needs of those we are designing for or with that we often forget to design for ourselves as well. We are humans too. Turn your thinking and skills towards creating your own reality that sets you up to produce the best work you possibly can. The pathway to accessing your best work is through your passion and desire. Now, passion gets used a lot in uh, work context, but I don't really hear desire as much. And I love that word because for all sorts of reasons, but it feels like it's coming from a really deep place. And a lot of the the work that I particularly like doing in human-centered design is really deep work. And when we're in the process of thinking about the project and the people that we're going to be designing with and for and, you know, in the details of designing the research and and all of that sort of stuff. It's really important to also think about the person who's doing the designing. This is the whole point of um, the book that I wrote and why I wrote about it because if you can be really, really clear on who you are, what lights you up, what you're passionate about, what your values are, what you tend to, ha- where your biases tend to be. You can design work that not only hits the mark in terms of the, the whole, you know, the, the project's outcomes, but also to be designing in a way that also sets you up for success so that you can do your best work. And it also gives you a sense of you know, what parts of the project are going to bring forward your strengths because you know them and you're attuned to them and which are parts of the work perhaps you're going to need some assistance. And that self-awareness and that understanding of where your where your passions are lie and where your skill sets lie is so fundamental to be able to do impactful work in the world. So that's why throughout the entire book we keep revisiting this notion of self-awareness and knowing things about yourself that actually are sitting in the background influencing decisions that you're making about your work, whether it's in the you know upfront kind of conceptualizing how you're going to answer the question. So you sort of, even before the designing the research phase, all the way through to, you know, in the throes of synthesis where you've got all this beautiful data and you're trying to make sense of it, knowing what's at work there in those processes is is really key. And that's what this work is all about. All right, back to passion. Your best work is done when you love what you do. When you are inspired and passionate, your energy soars and you attract other inspired people and ideas towards you. Some people believe their passion needs to be the subject matter they are designing for, the global refugee situation or animal cruelty or environmental harm. They have a cause. Being passionate can also be about 
the process of something, the process of painting or sculpting or building bridges or human-centered design. Your passion can be content neutral. This is equally powerful. Finding your passion and engaging your desire in your work is a source of endless energy and a way to access your best work. As part of your practice of design, you need to know what you really love about what you do and remain connected with that. Working completely in your area of passion might be an unrealistic expectation, but you should bring as much of that enthusiasm, energy and connection to your work as possible. Now, I don't necessarily agree with what I wrote a few years ago about the expectation that you're going to work in an area of passion to be unrealistic. I think that should absolutely be your expectation so that you do everything that you can to go about and create that scenario for yourself. I think it's a little bit of my pragmatism sort of creeping in there to say it's probably not the best strategy to you know, say no to opportunities because I don't tick every box of your ideal project you know but doing the work to understand you know what makes you tick what lights you up what you really get a lot of energy from is really important and then for you to go about making decisions aligned with creating that scenario for yourself is in my view critical if if you're the type of person that wants to do amazing work you know and and that's the sort of thing that motivates you and I'm not saying that if you're not working in your passion area your work is crap that's not at all my message here (laughs) um Right, so where are we up to? We can sometimes fall into the trap of seeing our jobs as functional ways of getting paid for what we do. If this is the case, meaningful design becomes very difficult. Meaningful design is a channel for you to express yourself creatively and intellectually, perhaps even morally, ethically and politically as well. When your work is a channel of expression, you move closer to the natural state of artists. Some artists have a conversation with their audience, like Hoffesh Schechter and Banksy. They are passionate about what they do, and this energy feeds their imagination and creative approach to their choreography and art. They are in a dialogue with their audiences, who are free to take from the work whatever they want. That is the whole point. As a meaningful designer, you will have formed a point of view through the course of your project. This is not your subjective judgment on what you are designing. It is more about the story you want to communicate. This should be present in your mind as you create experiences for the people who will be interacting with your work. This is your way of expressing your thoughts and your passions for assisting humanity at scale. Your work is your creative expression. You know, this may not be the case for everybody who who gravitates towards doing human-centered design. You know, they might not see it and it might be you, you know, you might not see it as your creative expression. It could be some other form of expression. I think the, the, the point that I'm trying to make here is that there's so many other ways that you can perceive what it is that you do beyond a job that brings you money. And when we work in a field like design, which does call us to tap into you know, creative thinking and our imagination and intuition and a lot of the things that I've um, covered in this book so far. Being able to connect in with all aspects of yourself, not just those bits that you have allocated to your job, but connecting into your passions that might be in other areas helps bring different perspectives and increases the likelihood that you're going to find interesting connections between concepts. And all of that is so fundamental to you being able to do really great work in the world 
and that's why I'm spending time on this on this topic around you know passion and desire which leads me to the next section which is about pleasure and desire I'm loving these uh, topics all right the word passion is often used in the context of doing great work pleasure and desire are not used as often I think I said that at the beginning of the podcast knowing what you want what makes you come alive and what your passion is plays a crucial role in creating the life you want to live. Spend some time thinking about it. As the old saying goes, a plumber's tap is always leaky. You need to apply your skills to creating the realities for you to do your best work. Design your work so that you enjoy doing it. Know your strengths and work with them as often as possible. And also there's a caveat there, which is to build up your weaknesses, obviously, forever learning and all that. (laughs) Build on them by trying out new methods and tools until you become confident with those as well. Expand your strengths as much as possible, as often as possible. This introduces variety and interest in your work. We often forget to deliberately inject pleasure and desire into our work. These are your seeds of motivation, your source of energy and drive, and food for your personal will. Loving what you do and having a good time while you do it helps you weather the storms and be resilient in the face of adversity. So obviously there's this, you know, whole massive area around fun and play and its links into creativity as methods of work and also as methods of research. And you know, there's really good reason for that because engaging with, you know, problems and stuff from through that lens gives people access to ways of thinking and processes in their in their brains that they otherwise wouldn't have access to if they were to approach that challenge in a in a more traditional sort of linear way perhaps. What I'm talking about also is that If you're aware that having pleasure and fun and humor injected deliberately into the way that you approach your work and the way that you connect with your colleagues and and that sort of thing, it's not just about having a good time and, you know, sometimes people would look sideways into some uh, meetings that we have at Huddle because everyone was in fits of laughter and just, you know, giggling and, and that sort of stuff. But it's actually, I think it's fundamental to the design process. And, you know, there is a difference between important and serious. You can still be doing important work, but bring some pleasure and lightheartedness to it. And sometimes it's absolutely necessary to be able to do that. Okay, exercise 6.4. This is on page 173. Creating an inspiration wall. Designing at this level, you need to be conscious of your own passions and what moves and energizes you. It's important to provide yourself with inspiration that feeds these passions. One way of doing this is by allocating a wall space that embodies your personal inspiration. So this is me just sort of projecting a method that works really well for me. I I like to externalize the things that I'm thinking a lot and as often as possible. So, you know, when I'm working on a project, I will find things, images, paintings, artworks, you know, photos of nature, whatever it is that comes sort of into my periphery (laughs) or my focus. And I will, you know, find a way to place them up in the wall in the project room as a place for me to just go to. It's almost like a resting place where I can just go and just look at these images and and be energized by the potential of what it is that, that we're doing. But also helps my brain just kind of 
reset a little bit and perhaps see some new connections that otherwise were lost. So for me, it's it's always been and continues to be a really important thing that I always do. So I'll, somewhere there'll always be some illustrations and drawings and stuff stuck, stuck up on the wall that I will continually go back to. It's almost like, you know, people, designers who work in sort of the more the aesthetics will create mood boards and that sort of thing to be able to communicate the inspiration behind the project. It's a little bit like that, but perhaps more personal. Tip, what inspires you may not have anything to do with the subject matter of the work you are doing right now. It might be photos of the person who inspired you to do the work, a picture of your next travel destination, a coveted award, or the impact you want to see in the world. Create a section of the wall that connects you back to why you were doing this work in the first place, what it is you are working towards. Now that bit is also really important because, you know, as we all know, sometimes advocating for people in processes and systems that are unconsciously designed to not do that can be quite a tiring and depleting (laughs) exercise. And so having that place to anchor you back to the bigger why the inspiration can sometimes be essential. Your job is to create experiences that cater for the whole human experience. And that is another thing as well. If, you know, if if you're not aware of your own passions and your own desires, how do you then understand the importance of making sure that you understand that for other people and inject that understanding into whatever it is that you're designing that they that they will then be living with you know what's inside manifests outside i keep saying that the most important work is the internal work so that your external expression of your work can be just amazing that's what i found to be really successful so that's why i wrote the book all right to sum up designing with and for emotions makes your work more human Emotional sensitivity and experience is just as important to design as functionality, but it is often overlooked. Being aware of emotions doesn't just mean thinking about the people you are designing for and with. You are human too. Pleasure and desire should not be foreign concepts in the context of your work. When you experience positive emotions while you are working, you do better work. When you are passionate about the outcomes you are creating, you are more likely to see every project through to the end. This also, just reminded me, this also includes the setting up the space within which you spend a lot of your time, especially now in a sort of a post-COVID kind of world where many of us have transitioned to working in distributed teams and working from home and needing to create some sort of a space in whatever living arrangement that we have it's really important to deliberately design that space for yourself as well so that you can do the work that that you're called to do all right so in the next chapter which is the final chapter we're going to explore how to deliver your project without compromising on quality or diluting its potential impact hmm that sounds interesting So as always, if you want to dive deeper and explore more of this content and get access to some courses and an amazing community of people, head over to thishuman.com. We also have a community of people around this way of working in the book and, and who are practicing some of the tools and stuff that are in the book over at This Human Community, which is hosted on Mighty Networks. And, and you can become a member when you you can go 
become a member through the website at the moment. And um, if you're interested in any one-on-one coaching, you want to work with me uh, personally, you can um, head over to melissanova.com and there's places where you can book some time. So as always, thanks for joining me and um, I look forward to being with you next week. Bye.